Good morning. The uh, sermon reading for today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> the heading is a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Well, good morning, everybody. It is lovely to see you, and likewise those of you who are joining us online this morning. Uh, if you've not met me before, uh, I am Darren, and my wife Karen and my three children attend normally this 9am service. Uh, we love worshipping together with you, and we have joined you as of the beginning of 2020. So it's been an interesting time indeed <laughs> that we have spent with you. Uh, and I am the principal at the Calderwood Christian School, for want of a better place to give you some context about my workplace. This morning we're going to continue in our series of work, leisure and money. Last week Pete spoke to us about the gift of work. Today we are focusing our attention on leisure. And leisure is, of course, those times that we have that are of some way, in some way discretionary. We can make the choice about how we spend that time. So as we do that, let me just open in a brief word of prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, may my words be your words this morning. Lord, may you convict us and encourage us as we open your word and learn from you. Lord, be with us and amongst us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2002, Karen and I travelled to Canada. And I worked as a raft guide in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> the Rockies are truly beautiful. God's creativity and awesome power is reflected everywhere you look. You cannot look out a window and not be amazed by the beautiful scenery. Millions of people visit the Rockies every year for its spectacular beauty. Some from the view of a train uh, carriage and others by plane, others by foot. So many different ways to enjoy it. The rafting season in the Rockies is short-lived. The river rises and falls again quickly within only a few months. The river is dependent on the sunshine, the warmth of the summer, melting the glaciers high above and bringing the waters down. The experience would start with a bus trip from your accommodation to a river base where you would change into the appropriate equipment and would protect you from the freezing water of the Kicking Horse River. With the guide providing instructions and eight clients, four in front, four behind me, we enjoyed the thrills and spills of rafting in one of the most picturesque cities in the world. It is just amazing. Day after day, clients would arrive at the river with excited anticipation, 
about the day and then leave sharing stories of laughable moments and often near-death experiences. <laughs> it appeared on the surface that things were as God intended. But that, of course, wasn't the whole story. God's word reminds us that it is not that which is on the surface he is focused, but it is what is in the heart. You'll recall when God counselled the prophet Daniel about choosing a king. He said this, The Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. For many of the clients, the whiteboard experience was an opportunity to pridefully demonstrate their fearlessness. But, for, but more than that, many of our clients were paying up to $1,000 a night at their luxury accommodation, and rafting was but one of a multitude of activities that they were pursuing. There seemed to be no end in the appetite for pleasure. And likewise, for some guides, they happily accepted the title of hero or status that was bestowed on them. They invested enormous amounts of time, money and energy into chasing the rafting season, not just in Canada, but from continent to continent around the globe. They were pursuing leisure activities far beyond just the rafting in that season. The rafting industry had taken what God intended to be a gift and commodified it for personal gain. We had inadvertently elevated this good gift to idle status. We had taken a good thing and turned it into a God thing. We had taken a good thing and turned it into a God thing. We had committed the very sin that Paul counselled the Romans against in chapter 1. For although they, the Gentiles, knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human and birds and animals and reptiles. They had exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. The Apostle John also warns Christians against loving the created over the Creator. In 1 John 2, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So what does a God intend for us? This morning we'll be looking at what the Bible tells us about how you and I have idolised leisure or pleasure. We'll look at the careful distinction we need to make between leisure and the biblical notion of rest. And then to set leisure in its rightful place, we'll look at how it fits into the purpose, our purpose, as image bearers of our God and Creator. At the end of the sixth day of creation, God rested from his creative work. 
He didn't need the rest, nor did he need the seventh day. So why is it that he referred to the seventh day as a day of rest? Rest in biblical terms is about everything in its place and in being in right relationship with God. The term rest in this sense refers to God being at peace with his creation or being in right relationship with it. So we misunderstand it if we think it's an invitation to use one day a week to be liberated from our responsibilities. This day of rest the Bible refers to is not intended for us to indulge in self-serving activities. Jesus' use of the term rest also affirms this understanding of the term. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Biblical rest, then, is being in right relationship with God. And on this side of the fall, we might think of it more appropriately as restoration of that right relationship with God. It's achieved not through earthly activities that we do, but through Jesus dying on the cross, paying the price for our disobedience, arising and rising again so that we might spend eternity with him. We need to repent of our failure to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. It is through the turning from our sin and our faith in Christ alone that our relationship is restored and maintained. So whilst the relationship with God is made right through Christ, it isn't yet perfected. The author of Hebrews reminds us, however, that complete restoration of this relationship will be fulfilled in the new heavens and the new earth. You may recall in Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. As God completed his work on the sixth day, the Bible says he saw all that he had made and it was very good. God took pleasure in seeing what and who he had created and the relationship he had with them. Rest correctly understood then would be better described as peace with God or right relationship with God. So if rest is more about our salvation than our discretionary time or leisure time, then where does leisure fit? And how should we understand its place in our lives as Christians? We need to start by rooting our understanding of leisure in a biblical framework, identifying God's intended purpose for us as human beings, as his creatures. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do his good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
The Westminster Shorter Catechism, for those of us who are familiar with it. What is the chief end of man? It asks. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So to summarise then, we are created to do good works. We are to do all things to glory to the glory of God. And it is intended that we enjoy him forever. To this chief end, or these purposes, we are to commit all of our energies, all of our resources, all of our focus. It says in Romans 12, 1-2, as we heard this morning, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. So where does leisure fit with offering our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? How should our view of leisure be different to the culture around us? Given that what God has created is very good and our ultimate purpose is to glorify him, to be in right relationship with him, Leisure for a Christian, then, can serve as an end in and of itself. A way of fulfilling our purpose, of glorifying God and curating our relationship with him. But it's only one of many ways we do this. The danger, of course, is overindulging or overinvesting in the time or activity that we've chosen to enjoy. Allowing the activity itself to vie for our affections and pursuing it as if it might appease our appetite for contentment. Importantly, we must acknowledge leisure, leisure as a gracious gift from God. Those activities in which we choose to intentionally invest our time are a gift, not a reward for our hard work that we've earned or an accolade for a particular giftedness that we might think we have. All things come from God, through God, and return to God, as it says in Romans 11. So not only is the time and activity and outworking of God's creative and loving work, but also the capacity to experience pleasure in itself. Pleasure activities and restful periods of time can serve functionally as well, though, to rejuvenate and restore us mentally and physically. We can see them as both a resting from our work and also as an equipping and energising for our return to work or service or volunteering or whatever it might be that we are doing for the sake of our Lord. But I don't think we should think of it as primarily serving this purpose nor should we mistake them as our Sabbath. The Puritans actually held quite a dim view of leisure, in some cases suggesting that to participate in leisure is sin. Sometimes I feel like I was sinning in some of my leisure time. But taking delight in his creation through leisure activities is not necessarily a misalignment from God's intended purposes for us. I think we can be confident that God desires for us to enjoy his creation in this fashion, so long as we understand it possesses pointer glory, as one of the authors indicated it to be that I was reading. 
and not ultimate glory. Point of glory, not ultimate glory. May our leisure time be a time that we continue to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to our God and King. So we need to be mindful. We need to be careful. Just like the mercury rising in a thermometer might indicate signs of a fever in a patient, the amount of time, energy and money we invest in our leisure might indicate signs of its elevated position in our priorities or perhaps the health of our relationship with it. If a thermometer rises too high or sinks too low, it's an, it's an indication of a patient's health or well-being being threatened or compromised. Too much time and energy and heart invested in leisure might be a warning sign for you that your relationship with God may be under threat or mine. Some questions that we might like to ask ourselves. Am I chasing leisure over my responsibilities to my family or to my church? How much time do I spend thinking about the activity and how much money do I invest in it? How upset would I be if I were unable to do that favourite leisure activity anymore? Or maybe what am I willing to sacrifice or have I sacrificed to fill my happiness bucket with that particular leisure activity? In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Timothy Keller reminds Christians that we each have a heart that is an idol factory. We create idols out of all sorts of things. He suggests that we have made an idol when it is so central and essential to our lives that should we lose it, our lives would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in our heart that we can spend most of our passion and energy, emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. It can even be family and children, career and making money, or achievement and critical acclaim, or saving face and social standing. So just like we can elevate work and money, acclaim and even family, we can and often do elevate our leisure. We must remember that our identity and purpose are found in the Lord Jesus. Through him, we are created to do good works, to do all things to his glory, and to enjoy him forever. This is where leisure is best placed. So we need to remain prayerful and vigilant to ensure that our leisure does not become an idol for us. We need to be careful to make the distinction between leisure and the biblical notion of rest. And when leisure is in its rightful place, it serves to glorify God. I continue to be captivated by the beauty and power of river environments. And when I was working in the industry every day, I became enamoured by it. The idea of bouncing from continent to continent following the rafting season was incredibly attractive to me. As Karen and I finished up the season in Canada, I was amazed at how much I genuinely grieved the thought of leaving it behind perhaps an indication of my relationship with my leisure. 
But as I look back at that time, I can see how things could have been very different, particularly if I was to continue to prioritise my time and my energy in that way. I pray that each of us will be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we discern how we spend our leisure time.